Yeah. When when I look at pictures of LA, I can kind of smell piss. <laughs> not not as much as when I look at pictures of New York City, though. So many e girls, e girls, man. Yeah. <laughs> They're out there. Nah, uh, attrition. Jesus Christ, attrition. Atrocity. Ex- Jesus Christ, atrocity <laughs> exhibition. <laughs> I am debted to Jack Black. <laughs> And now, here's a word from our sponsor. Yo, 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 how is it going? Welcome to the very first episode of my podcast. I'm your host, Braylon Thomas, and this is my podcast, The Harmonic Trajectory, where I sit down with my friends from Belmont University and other up-and-comers in the music industry. We chat, we shoot the shit, we talk about our upbringing, our journey so far, what we've learned, and advice to share for the next generation of stars. Figured I'd start things off with this episode because my guest just released a new song. It's called Ease. It's an absolute banger. It's out now on SoundCloud, Spotify, etc., etc. Go check that shit out. And if you haven't guessed it already, the guest is... Kent Osborne. From origins in Atlanta, Georgia, to making waves in Nashville, Tennessee at various house shows and underground events, to now being out in Los Angeles, Kent has been doing the damn thing, and he's been doing it well, with many songs sitting in the tens of thousands of plays on Spotify, such as Over the Limit and Obsolete, as well as The Infamous Clown, which is now sitting at about half a million plays. I had the pleasure of talking to Kent back in September as he was visiting for a show at Nashville's The End, opening up for rapper Lil Ugly Mane. We had an excellent conversation, it was great to see him, and just wanted to make a couple announcements before we get into the episode. So we had a third person in the room with us, um, making comments here and there, and that person was Yovazal. Yovazal has done visual work with Kent in the live sector as well as on some of his music videos. And his style of work involves making glitches in analog videos. And he actually has a huge YouTube channel uh, showcasing some of his work as well as going into large detail about um, the history of analog visual gear, analog visual art as well as talking about his star and various other tutorials. And I highly recommend checking out his YouTube channel if you are interested in glitch art, analog visual gear, or if you're trying to get into it yourself. The dude's a whiz. He is mad talented. And his channel and his work is just a great point of reference for anyone who's interested in following in his footsteps. Um, The other thing I wanted to say was that there was some like mic difficulties going on throughout the podcast got a little scratchy at times uh, of the three episodes i've recorded so far this is the only one where it's um done that so hopefully we don't see those kinds of problems again and then the third announcement is for my anime watchers specifically and when watching naruto and boruto as expected, we talk a little bit about that, and um, we get into some details about the show that some people might not have seen yet. But fear not, as I have a version of this episode without the spoilers. So head on over to the No Spoilers, No Triggers playlist if you want to hear the episode still. 
but not have the show ruined. So without further ado, here is me and Kent Osborne. Let's go. Go, 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 go. Welcome to the show. What's up? <laughs> How you doing? Pretty good. Uh, fucking, I'm not used to all the accolades and everything. Yeah, Very I try to <laughs> try, try to give a good introduction. Fire, fire, well put together. <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah. uh, yeah, you're uh, or right, actually, once again, I should probably preface. So we uh, we know each other through like friends of friends. I think. Um, yeah, I think we've hung out a couple times, but I'm mostly like seeing you at shows and stuff. Yeah, I feel like I met you maybe for the first time at Nathan's house or something. Or yeah, maybe. Caroline. But yeah, it's crazy. Okay, I'm probably just Belmont shit too, honestly. Mm-hmm. But it's been cool. Feels good to be back over here, honestly. I didn't even really talk to you about that. But Yeah, how long have you been in LA now? Yeah. In October, it'll be a year, which it doesn't feel like it, you know. But I guess coming back here, because I got here on Thursday, and it's just been super nice. Just like seeing downtown and you know reconnecting with everybody just from like college and you know the scene absolutely and all that. but yeah, it's cool it's hot yeah definitely yeah. yeah but like it's not overbearing uh honestly the biggest difference is just gas prices for real for real yeah what's like weather. what's like the average out there yo right now it's like i've seen shit hit five bucks uh it's like four fifty nine. it's like 429 is really good like which that's is crazy. fucking wild <laughs> yeah i got used to it though then just coming back here and seeing just stuff for 2.99 and all that shit i mm-hmm. miss the south for that regard but, yeah. yeah and uh speaking of the south you're originally from atlanta right yeah yep i've only been in nashville for four years of my life but Definitely feels like a second home at this point. Yeah, I can say the same. I grew up in central Indiana, and um, I, I, I guess, like, it is a second home, and it isn't, because it's where I grew up, but, like, my immediate <laughs> family isn't there anymore. Uh, my mom actually recently moved to San Diego. Yeah, I, actually, all my family's in California right now. Mom's in San Diego. My little brother goes to University of Southern California, and then my older brother mm-hmm. is in Fresno. That's what's up. Yeah. yeah, San Diego's really chill. It's like a huge beach city, honestly. I've only been there like once to pick up some merch. Yeah. That's what's up, though. Gotta come visit, bro. Gotta go see what's up. You I want over to. There? Yeah. Um, I've, I've been like all over California, but I actually, I've only been like outside of LA. Like I've been to like Santa Monica and everything. And I went to Valencia one time because I was looking at uh, 
Cal Arts, if you've heard of that school. Mm-mm. I haven't. Yeah, it's in it's in Valencia, but I've never been to like downtown LA. Man, that shit is so crazy. Like, uh, yeah, tell I, us a little bit about it. First time I saw Skid Row, and like, just I it was me and my uh, roommate uh, Austin. He goes by Raziel. Is this producer? Who yeah, yeah, I've lot. heard of him. Yeah, a lot of my releases are with him recently. But uh, yeah, it's just like. You never really notice or really think about how how bad like the homeless population is, just like in the major cities of America. I know in Nashville it's pretty bad. Like I remember in East, I don't even know if it's still like that here now. With you know, um, oh my God, when you get off the major highway to go like deep into East Nashville, I can't remember the name of the fucking exit, but it's like Trinity Lane and shit. When you're on that way, you remember how there used to be like a lot of like homeless tents kind of under that bridge yeah like probably like i guess two two three years ago and then they're just gone i don't know where all the homeless people are right now here but it's like in la they'll be under underpasses and everything skid row is just like it feels like the wild west of like homelessness honestly just it feels surreal as fuck everything smells like piss (laughs) um downtown only mainly downtown but yeah when when i look at pictures of la i can kind of smell piss <laughs> not not as much as when i look at pictures of new york city though yeah holy yeah new york the subways oh, i don't even know how to describe new york's smell that shit's crazy too but um oh no i think it's the heat i think it's the heat mixed with the piss is just fucking oh makes yeah it hot <laughs> or some it's shit a, it's a dirty combo <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um yeah but on the series it's fucking it's really sad at the same time, because uh, just all the documentaries I've seen about it, too, it's like, it's really easy to get trapped in there. And a lot of people from, I guess, neighboring states or even like across the country would just go there because they know it's kind of like, at least there's like a community for homelessness and stuff. But obviously there's a lot of issues with just like drugs and, you know, mental oh, yeah, health. I bet. A lot of people with mental health issues and it's like tweakers. It's really hard to tell. If it's like someone's just tweaking off a fucking like meth or some shit or like they're having withdrawals or they're literally just like, you know, having a manic episode or like huh. in a psychosis state. Really hard to tell, but that's just some American shit in general. You yeah. know, we're really bad at taking care of people who need it, you know, just helping all that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised. LA is a tough place to make it in, which uh, oh. on, uh, so, so, sort of on that note, what have you, what, what, yeah. what have you been doing as far as like, Keeping afloat. Yeah. Well, yeah, honestly, recently I'll sell like a feature here and there, but and I now like since my streams just hit like twenty thousand monthly listeners on uh, Spotify, I kind of have some consistency with help like helping out my bills. But yeah, for the most part, I'll either engineer some sessions uh, or honestly just do Instacart and shit. You know, just got to do what you got to do. Yeah, but for it's sure. Pretty mellow. Uh, since it's in California, they'll pay you minimum wage. And stuff but i'll probably do that like i'll do one 40 hour work week and then the rest of it is just i either have shows to play or just sell some merch and all that jazz but uh for sure yeah definitely hard it was an adjustment i uh yeah because i moved there when was that october basically mid-october and that was just because like i mean you know like my last show was spew fest oh wow and then it's a fucking awesome show, by the way. Yeah, thank you, man. I miss that so much. That high was crazy, um, and yeah, basically that happened. COVID happened, uh, became super stagnant because I mean, you know, like my live shit was my bread and butter here. Like I was getting paid mm-hmm. to play like all the time. You know, super nice, 
And then since it stopped, I was like, well, sh- what am I going to do? I just started doing just like a whole bunch of just negative passive life shit, you know, and uh, just being super vague <laughs> about it. And then uh, I was like, fuck this. I got to get out of here. So I moved to L.A. to just focus on music again. Just kind of like stay on the straight and narrow. And um, yeah, it was tough at first. Like it was super fun being out there because like I want to say October through January, January 1st, uh, I was just turning up, being in the studio, just like drinking hella Casamigos, just spending so much money on alcohol and food and shit, like no regard of budget or anything. Because I came out there with like $10,000 basically, and that mm-hmm. was enough for me to like post up, buy furniture and all this other shit. But, you know, at the time I was just like, fuck it. I'm out here. Let's go. And I think a lot of people when they first move to L.A. kind of go through something like that because just from like how I talked about it and people who've been there for like three or five years, like if you can get past like the first six months, then you're fine. But definitely tough because after that party period, I kind of hit just like a super low point because I was just getting like hella hammered, but also working. But Mm. it's like I was justifying like just being drunk as fuck. Yeah. And making music. But it's like the music we were making wasn't very like it was just hitting the bar, you know, it just kind of got mm-hmm. super stagnant and stuff. It wasn't like we weren't doing anything, but it's kind of had a epiphany moment because New Year's we had this little fucking party yeah. at our apartment because we just moved in there. I got so drunk, like blacked out. I'm fucking like throwing my own furniture. I'm skating inside. Oh, shit. Yeah, like it was <laughs> and there's like 15 of us in here too. Beers flying everywhere. Fucking motherfuckers are wrestling each other and shit just randomly. It's like I mean, sound, sound, sounds fun, nuts. but yeah, also Yeah, no, it was fun as shit. It was super fun. I definitely like I love that experience because um I learned I learned a lot about like my time in LA of like this is basically what I've been doing for the past four months on just like a grandiose scale you know and then i was just kind of like yeah i can't keep going like this every day of the fucking week i'm a like i'm just slowly killing myself <laughs> like at a, at a quick rate you know um yeah and then after that i just kind of chilled out honestly i mean don't get me wrong, like i still fucking drink and shit but it's yeah. not not nearly as bad as it was when i first got out there because i was like drinking like every day you know yeah that's yeah that's like such a hurdle slash like so, such like an essential like lesson to have and like hurdle to jump for artists and like all people but like you know like making the choice between like oh you're done with the show are you gonna yep. go out or are you gonna like stay in get some rest because you have like a show the next day or like also like a session with someone that same day yeah and also like uh i um not not like deliberately but um, I'm pretty high a lot of the time when I'm like writing music. It it, yeah, it can help, sure. but um, there's definitely like a glass ceiling that I feel like you know you have to be like clear headed to get past because otherwise you know you're just at the four bar loop forever. Yeah, yeah. I I guess another way to look at it too is just kind of being self aware of like where you are and you know I guess where you your are, vices. what you're doing. Yeah, because Yoda once said, yeah. <laughs> That's out Yoda. But um, it's really important just because like like for this situation, like right now, like any any like major business thing or anything, is like I don't care if someone like has a drink or like smokes or some shit, but it's like they don't know their own like limitations and everything, 
you know, of when it's to the point of like, okay, now it's like, I'm, it's hard for me to do what I know I'm good at and everything. Mm-hmm. I guess kind of finding your own, yeah, ceiling, your own glass ceiling. You gotta yeah, establish sure. it yourself because no one else can. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, speaking of business opportunities, how did the, how, how did the show tonight come about? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this guy, uh, Philip, I, I don't know. I, he might be a little ugly man's booker or he, uh, whoever put on the show, but uh, he, Man, he DM'd me through Bandcamp, and then that message went to my email, and I was straight up like, I was just chilling. I was like, yeah, I was still in LA. I was playing Overwatch or some shit, <laughs> and then I like get this random email for a show at like 10 p.m. like my time, mm-hmm. and I was like, is this real? I was like, little ugly man, like <laughs> in like in like three weeks, like for real. And then I just felt I followed through with it, and then I saw the flyer, and I was like, oh shit, this is like for real. So now I'm here. Yeah. I I feel like that's how most of my show opportunities have happened. It's just somebody just reaches out to me just randomly and it ends up being real, you know. But, yeah, it's it's when you least expect it. I um I actually had my first uh Nashville show last night. Um Yeah. Hell yeah, yeah, so I I make electronic music and I DJ and there was this like um anti roo thing happening at uh it's called little <laughs> chill beach i don't know if you've heard of it no it's, no it's like it's it's on like fourth ave like kind of on the outskirts of downtown it's like literally like just like a little space with some sand and some hammocks and um you know uh wyatt whitman right yeah yeah he works at nash vox which is this uh studio like across the street and like both of them are affiliated and i guess he was booking the show and i'm Pretty sure I was either gonna like stay in on Friday night or like do some other shit, but yeah, he called me on like Wednesday and was like, "Hey, we need a DJ for a show." I was wondering if you're interested, and like I kind of went like back and forth because like it was like something that I didn't fathom happening for like several months, maybe, and yeah. like I also like played a lot of like original tunes and like a lot of like the mixes uh, still have some work to do, so. It was definitely like, oh, you know, maybe for safety measures, like, sh- like sit this one out. But I don't know. Nah. I was just like, sure, yeah, I'll do it. And Fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was just like scrambling, trying to put stuff together, get some songs done. And yeah, it was it, it was relatively chill. Um, just kind of like spinning some tunes on the fly. Played some originals here and there. It, it was kind of funny. Yeah. It was not like a EDM bass music crowd, but Threw, threw some bangers in there and yeah. pe- people seemed to like it but um yeah it was like it was like kind of like what you were talking about it was like out of the blue and also there was like some serious imposter syndrome going on yeah like, oh bro i feel that's too often yeah it's so i feel like it's just really prevalent yeah like, I, I, I bet i bet you can definitely attest to that it's crazy even with how going by my my real name and everything and just like seeing seeing my face on just like Instagram and Spotify and all that, I just, it's still I feel a detachment still from my my persona and everything in some regards because you know when it, I guess when it comes to art, you just kind of like really uh, I don't even amplify like who you are already. But it, obviously, it's easier when you're going through like a stage name. Mm-hmm. But um, definitely had my own turmoil with that. But what I was gonna say with you in the show, it's super important, and I think it's definitely something we should talk about more is getting that opportunity and the fear the fear of not doing it or just the comfort of denying it you know 
because obviously you could have been like, nah, I don't know, I'm not ready yet, or whatever, but the fact you just like said, fuck it, and then you went up and did it, it was probably went fine, you know, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, you know, no, it was Everyone great. probably liked it, you know? So it's like, you get that opportunity, you just gotta step up, you know? That's kind of, mm-hmm. that's been my plan of action, like, shit, since 2018, you know, that's how I'm even, where I'm at now, just kind of, someone says some shit, it looks cool, say yeah, like, why yeah. not? Unless you're overwhelmed with like other shit going on, you know? Yeah, definitely. But yeah, that's that's honestly been one of like the biggest um, life lessons or like things I've noticed now, like being an adult on yeah. my own for a year and a half. Like it's going to sound kind of fried, but we're all just a bunch of primates fucking scrambling to survive and like do what we yeah. love. Like people might have degrees and all this experience under their belt and like you know, I saw people like graduating from Belmont. They already have some like kick-ass job right off the bat. But, yeah. you know, still at the end of the day, like we're all just like humans trying to figure it out and, you know, like thinking outside of the box to come up with solutions. And also recently, like I used to be ashamed of like Googling questions like on the spot, like trying to figure stuff out. But it's 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 a it's a means to dude accomplish what you need to do so like 100 percent. i would be nowhere with with my music marketing without google that's man just uh, even even thinking about that right now i was like most of my time at belmont when i went there uh i obviously you know like i would go to class and i would graduate and everything too which which is crazy because i my last semester it was like over the summer and I like I moved to LA before I even finished because I was like I'm I'm sure I'm gonna pass. I, I had like a hard C and I was like on the verge of like getting a D or whatever. Oh, I can't damn. remember if that's like passing or not here. I literally didn't give a shit in, though. In some classes, you have to get a C. Like I remember for yeah. like Intro to Physics or whatever, you had to yeah. get a C. Yeah, C. Yeah, and it was Circuit Theory. That was my last Ugh. class. So I was like, oh man. <laughs> I I actually passed that class by point four percent. Yo, well, mm-hmm. shit, man. We did it. Yeah. Granted, <laughs> granted, it was during kind of a rough semester. Like, my dad passed away. Oh, I'm sorry to hear it. Thanks. It, man. That's heavy. Yeah. But, and I mean, the, the class was hard anyways. Yeah, on top of it, without it. that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Man. But yeah, um, what was what was Belmont like? You, 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 you majored in audio engineering, right? Yeah, I got in for a commercial guitar. I did that for one oh, semester. Damn. Yeah, that's because... I don't know that. Yeah, so when I was in Atlanta... Like my senior year, this was a huge like dilemma for me because I was like, I was very, very convinced that I wasn't going to go to college just in general because I was like, man, I just want to do music and be in a band because I was, School of Rock was just ending for me. Oh, you did School of Rock? Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Shit was lit. Oh, man. I would not be who I am without that shit. I I learned how to perform and like play guitar through that. And just, yeah, just I learned about rock and everything through them. I got a lot of, a lot of debt. I am debted to Jack Black. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I did the one in School of Rock Atlanta. Which one did you do? Uh, Carmel, Indiana. Okay. Was it? I mean, shit must have been nice though. Here you are doing music and shit. Yeah. Yeah. It it was cool. Um, I mean, I've, I've, I've always loved music, but I would say like where School of Rock came in, I think like, I think that's when I like started to get comfortable playing music around people because I, I oh, kind of yeah. like kept to myself like I even like wouldn't practice piano or guitar unless like no one was home. Oh, but, man. Yeah. yeah. But, but then like 
one one fateful day in like January 2014, my parents were like, oh, we signed you up for this like day thing at School of Rock and you're going. And I was like, no. And it was this huge like back and forth and lot, some, some, some screaming here and there until <laughs> we pulled up and we got there. But at the end of the day, when I got back home, I was like, oh, my gosh, this was so much fun. And yeah, yeah the, the rest was history. Lots of good times, lots of good shows. And I think it definitely like impacted my music taste like uh yeah. then a- after like i started school of rock started listening to a lot of like zeppelin and rage against yep. the machine too yep. like oh, a man. lot of a lot of people in school of rock were like big rage against the machine stands yeah. and now they're one of my favorite bands it's crazy the when we did the rage against the machine i think we did a cover show or it was probably the show band that did some covers of that but that was my first time doing vocals because i only played guitar and i would do bass on some songs so for like years i didn't do any vocally like vocals in front of people because i would rap with like friends and shit and like freestyle Mm -hmm. and record in my room barely because i was mainly producing and shit at that time in high school and all that and but uh yeah we did uh then we covered bulls on parade and that was my first time like like being that lit and screaming and i don't even that energy that one performance just like you know well i mean that's who i am today honestly i am not shit without drage against the machine or zach de la rocha you know without that exposure and school of rock because of that you know so i feel you same thing with zeppelin i was a huge zeppelin fan in high school i was fucking crazy into them it's like them and pink floyd i was hella into i love pink floyd (laughs) yeah (laughs) hell yeah it's a good time i haven't listened to them in a minute though really yeah same yeah but yeah were were you guys allowed to cuss at the rage against the machine show Oh man! Wow, I actually don't remember. That's fucked up. <laughs> I feel like you have to because yeah. it's Rage Against the Machine. There was actually this one performance they did. I forget what it was. It was some like BBC Christmas program, and they weren't allowed to cuss. Oh, but yeah, that makes sense, for though. Killing in the Name, they still <laughs> did the "fuck you, I won't do what you tell me." I'm pretty sure they got in a lot of yeah. trouble. But like, what Fuck do you expect? It. Yeah, anarchy. Punk. Hell yeah. Punk for a good cause. <laughs> mm-hmm. Christmas should not be censored. No, but, not at all. Yeah, but um, I guess uh, circling back to Belmont. Um, oh yeah, k- kind of like <laughs> how'd you get from commercial guitar to audio engineering, and how has the audio engineering come into play? Because I know you're like doing the music thing, and yeah, not not like exclusively like behind a console at a live show or like mixing yeah. for people. Yeah, it's which is so crazy. Um, I definitely had thoughts of doing live sound and stuff, but yeah. So commercial guitar, do one semester. I remember talking to my buddy. It was either my buddy Joe or Kyle, and I was like having this existential just like crisis breakdown. I was like walking around campus like mid class. I was like, I can't do this shit. Why the fuck am I in school for guitar? This shit's fucking stupid. <laughs> like my creative passion is dying every day. You know. But um, it just wasn't for me, on it, just to sum it up. But that's what I was going through. Then I was like, fuck it. Let me switch to audio engineering and see how that goes. Started that path. Uh, very easy until, like, you know, audio one, you know, and all that. Because, like, all the console and then signal flow with that stuff. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I, and then live sound classes. I did the Maymester to um, oh, Europe yeah, and that's France. Right. How yeah. was that? That was super fun. That's how, yeah, me and Brandon got super close, too. Yeah, that's right. You just fucking having fun over there um but yeah honestly dude my college experience was such 
such a back burner thing because even when I first started Belmont, uh, me and Jerry, Jerry's gonna be at the show tonight too. Oh, okay. He's gonna be playing yeah, drums. I know Jerry. Yeah, and Jay's gonna, uh, Jalil's gonna DJ too. Oh, nice. Yeah, bringing the whole crew back together. I wish Ryan was in town. Um, but yeah, I was always focused on playing shows, and college was kind of like this thing I was doing because my mom was like gonna be very very sad if i didn't go to school mm. and i had a full ride too because of her and everything oh, nice. so it was like it would have been dumb for me not to do it yeah you know um and yeah just you know shows once i saw how well i was doing with shows and everything i was like this as long as i don't fail out with college i'm chilling and honestly i tried to just stay under the radar at at belmont because I mean, for many reasons, you know, fucking just being black, mainly in predominantly white classes and shit, fucking not being a Christian, you know, and just that heavily being pushed on you, you know, I'm just like, I don't want anyone to know that I go here and I'm going to stay super low key. And then the playing shows and everything, you know, you realize how many people who are cool, who do go to Belmont and I'm like, oh, I actually know you and I like you. Like, that's what's up, you know, but yeah. Yeah, it it definitely had to. It it definitely took some digging for me to, like, kind of find, like, my people, I'd say. Because, like, I don't know, for, like, the first, um, for the first, like, well, like, kind of how it goes for everyone. Like, the first few weeks, like, you kind of, like, go through some fakes to find, like, your good friends. And then it also, like, took me a while to kind of get past, like, the norm of, like you know either like wanting to do southern rock or like wanting to be the next uh taylor swift or next like <laughs> oh, indie alt pop band fucking shove down your throat yeah. everywhere the curb cafe imagine me <laughs> playing the curb cafe that would never happen bro oh, especially me and yeah, jerry they'd have, shit they'd yeah. have to move all the tables and shit. <laughs> it's too loud yeah but yeah and then like also like being into edm and being an electronic producer that sort of took me a while to like find like-minded people because everyone is just like oh you push one button yep no we don't just push play we also push q we push hotkeys there's that that's two more buttons yep yep it's probably not appreciated as much either i think a huge issue with like belmont in general is lack of music diversity at least like and, and yeah for sure and like cultivating it because it's not like oh you're a rapper fucking leave like there's nothing for you here or anything or same thing with these like oh you're a dj well we can't do shit for you and you're not gonna play anywhere so you might as well not even do this here that's yeah. kind of the energy it feels like at first obviously i'm being really really dramatic about it but that's how it comes off as there's no like um you know mixed genre show put on like by the school you know it's like everyone who goes there who's cool like just does that outside of you know school and all that which is so weird to me because i guess we cultivate it in our own way because we're deprived Mm -hmm. of it and all that but yeah i couldn't imagine like i honestly didn't meet that many djs until um i started uh i interned at ultra yeah for like a year or something like that what is that yeah ultra Um, creative i've I've heard heard the name but like what do they do it's just like uh it's a studio in Nashville. They kind of do a mixture of a lot of like, just like artist development kind of. It's mainly a studio though. And uh, yeah, they, they helped with Deep Tropics. It's like the same people who put it on. But okay. uh, yeah, that's that was like my whole introduction to, oh, Nashville actually does have an electronic scene. It's just like, it's so small. And but like once you find it, you're kind of like, you don't know, you just like see it everywhere. Same thing with the rap scene and everything. Like mm-hmm. I got into Nash- the Nashville rap scene probably like two years after i was here 
and it's like I I've heard of like like Jado and Walt and Ronan and all of them. I don't know if you know any of them. I've heard of Ronan. Yeah, yeah. But it's like yeah, you'll see their names pop up around town and everything. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just want more of like acceptance of everything else because even with the venues and stuff it's kind of hard to put together some diverse acts you know it's like at the end or exit in you know you're never gonna see you i would be so surprised if like a small electronic dj artist played at the end or exit in or something like that you know mm-hmm. marathon music works i can kind of see it but even with all the mercy lounge or whatever that three triple decker yeah venue, it's kind of hard for me to see anything else besides like live bands and all that which is sick though you know because that's i think that's a huge strength of nashville just having all those live bands come through and everything yeah for sure but it's double-edged sword you know Mm -hmm. but yeah it's it's cool that those other scenes are there and i i I have so much love for like the the underground and like diy scene and the the hardcore scene too like oh that bro that really changed my whole life my my homie kyle and tommy and seth um run tobias and um Oh my god, what's offhand? They're, they're basically they kind of they have similar members in the in their bands. Everything mm-hmm. I think Run Tobias is broken up now too. Um, anyway, they took me to my first hardcore show here, and it was like down the street from Belmont, and that was like my first time like seeing hardcore because I've always listened to it, but it's like I never knew the energy in it, and then just seeing motherfuckers go crazy and just like crowd beating and shit, and I was like, yeah. I had so much like pent up anger and aggression from just Belmont and just like suppressing my shit and like. I had an outlet to let all that shit out, and I was like, "This is amazing." Yeah, so. it's so cool. The <laughs> whole the whole crowd is just like a whirlpool, like starting from the first song until like the end of the set. Literally, literally. Yo, there's this uh, group called Dead City Punks in uh, L.A. They'll throw a lot of hardcore and punk shows, and it's <laughs> it's literally the D- most DIY run and gun shit ever. It's like pull up with a generator under a fucking uh, highway. A bridge oh my and then this is the address and they'll like have a map of where to park and how to get there and it's like oh my god that's amazing fucking nuts motherfuckers throwing up fireworks like people are spitting fire lighting shit on fire the mosh pit's crazy hell yeah people doing whippets fighting it's crazy it's a whole lot of pandemonium but yeah it's fun though you know if you if you know how to like you know act and not be a piece of shit you're, you'll be fine in any of those situations i feel like because i yeah, know it can be kind of sure. kind of intimidating to get into if you just see that shit from afar it's like damn everybody just wants to hurt each other <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> yeah but it's all love at the end of the day exactly yeah for sure for sure yeah i've i've, I've kind of had a similar experience of very like underground off the beaten path do you know a uh, terminal eight yeah yeah Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, Mania? I fucking, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my. I fucking love their shows, and I remember like yeah. the first one I went to, like, uh, like so, some some of the locations have been secret, but I remember like the first one. Um, it was just this like random like little warehouse and like a bunch of like other warehouses, and like yeah. we got there and like we thought that like the show was a fluke, but then we heard the bass and yeah, follow the bass. Oh, and I love then you're shit. there. <laughs> follow the path, uh, <laughs> the sonic path, a, a real like classic rave experience. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the stuff over there is over in yet. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's over in East Nashville. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Across the street from there. That's where all true's at. So oh, okay. for a while, I don't even know if it's still like that now, but yeah, they used to throw a lot of shows over there and were super fun. You know, and they, they, both of them have cultivated their own scenes and everything, which is super dope. Um, but yeah, I miss that shit. Definitely miss that. Wish I went to something like that while I was in town. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. Um, do you yeah. have like a show in your time in Nashville that like 
stands out? Maybe, maybe not like as your favorite, but like, is, yeah. is there like a special one that comes to mind? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Amongst the many. So this was a show with me and Jerry uh, in our band. Thank you, please. Uh, I don't know if you've ever got to see us or anything before. I feel like we weren't Maybe. Really I, I know the name. Yet. Yeah. So we played this house show and, you know, we're a two piece, you know, I was raging out around like electronic metal punk shit. Kind of like Death Grips? Yeah, yeah. Basi- basically, honestly, very similar vibe, for sure. We're huge Death Grips fans at Hell that yeah, time, same. too. Still am. Yeah. Um, We're playing our set in this little-ass room, and it, the room is packed. It's probably like 30 people in this room, and it's like it's like a bedroom. It's ba- That's like the size of the fucking show. Damn. Um, And there's people like, you know, crawling out from like the back and shit, just trying to like peek in. Oh, God. Mosh Pit is going absolutely insane, and... You know, everyone clears that after a set. It's like hot as shit. You know, everyone's like, that mm-hmm. was so sick. And somebody went through the wall. Like, like there is just a human-sized hole oh in their wall. Oh, my God. And we were, we were like, oh, shit. <laughs> Did we cause that, dude? That's what <laughs> no. nuts. Yeah, I felt bad, but it was also kind of like, that's badass, you know? Did you guys see it happen? or like, <laughs> no. did the sh- so, so the show ended, and you just looked over, and it was like, oh, there's a fucking hole in the wall. Literally. It was crazy. Oh, my God. We had no idea, because like, we're, we were like at the back, you know what I mean, in comparison, mm-hmm. and like the hole was like in the, I guess, in the back of the room from our perspective, you know? Yeah, that was my favorite memory, just because I was like, wow, we caused chaos. <laughs> I love that shit. It's fucking yeah. dope. Um. But yeah, I think um, craziest show, just opportunity was definitely playing like a festival with Chief Keef and opening oh, up for yeah. Josiah. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. What was the name of that festival? Rare Fest. Yeah. So yeah, I know a lot of people from Cincinnati and they basically moved to LA five years ago or so and they started this thing called Rare House and it's this huge, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's literally a warehouse and they throw shows in there, but over the years and they've had a lot of huge artists come through before they blew up and like obviously like after and stuff mm-hmm. um but yeah i met one of them through a show i did in cincinnati like probably two years ago and we just kept in touch since and then he was like yo you want to play this and i was like yeah are you serious <laughs> it's crazy but um yeah and then the josiah thing was the same thing i was playing bass for this dude uh mozzie uh he goes by maserat and uh yeah i just asked one of the dork dudes who um books the shows and stuff i was like when when uh you got a show open and up because i'd love to play then it was like josiah's finna play you want to play and i was like oh shit yeah i didn't think it was gonna happen immediately but yeah you know i guess it's just kind of how it goes yeah definitely sure. the people who i've met along the way is a huge 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 benefit of all these opportunities in general so that's i guess it's kind of the best thing about being in this industry, you know, it's because like your friends are the ones who really give you the opportunities to do shit. Yeah, it's like crazy. Still, and it's, it's crazy just because I still see that every day, you know. Mm-hmm. And like that's that's kind of how it was at Belmont. Like your friends are your coworkers. Yeah, and yeah. um, like I I think you were kind of saying this, but I I can definitely attest to the fact that like. And like this is like another thing I've kind of realized being a young adult is that like college isn't an end all be all. I mean, it's it's feels like, like it, it like that at the time. Yeah, definitely. You know? Holy shit! Like, like I agree with you. It's it's definitely like a good thing to do. You learn a lot, and I think especially with like my case, I got to meet a lot of people. Like you know, a lot of the people who I'm gonna like work with and be giving me opportunities were like 
friends I met in this class and that class. And I also have some teachers who I was pretty close with and got to learn some cool stuff, get some cool experiences and get my foot in the door. But um, a, a lot of my learning has been like literally YouTube. Yeah. And same. like practice and like through experience and yeah. also college definitely doesn't help you or doesn't really prepare you for like any of the adult stuff i like so. i had no idea how to budget my finances were trash for so long until recently yeah. just gotta like teach yourself that stuff which you know that kind of goes back just to like american education systems and stuff and to bring it back to what you're talking about with googling stuff like you know i think i said this already too but I would not be where I am without Googling just how to market music and how to run my own ads and all that shit. Cause mm -hmm. outside of like performing and shit, you know, cause I'm still independent, you know, no one helps me with my shit. I just like, there's some people I'll reach out to to like help me orchestrate things, but it's at the end of the day, it's still just like me, like, you know, putting everything together and all that. But I wouldn't know any of that without just Googling stuff and knowing like the jobs in the music industry. Honestly, this one class, one class really taught me a lot from Belmont, and it was artist relations. And I wish I could remember this teacher's name. I really wish, but she was so dope, and it, that was the most relevant class to me, at least, just being like an independent artist, because mm -hmm. basically just laid out like everything uh, that you really need to know, and like in the day of the life of what's supposed to go on. It's like setting up tours, or if you want to be like uh, booking agent, you know, fucking manager tour manager pr really just pr stuff because i didn't really know about that she thought i had a publicist and everything because when i was on the cover of the nashville scene in 2019 she was like how did you get that and it was the same situation they just like hit me up for a photo shoot just randomly i didn't even know i was gonna be on the cover of it at the time um and i was i guess like you know someone's supposed to like orchestrate these things and all that mm -hmm. and it's like wow wouldn't that be nice to have just like a team of people to do all of these individual tasks yeah. instead of my own person having to split my brain into like 15 different parts mm -hmm. to do all this stuff but it's possible obviously you know i'm doing it still so yeah you, yeah you, you you definitely get there at one at, at some point but it it is kind of like you're on your own at the beginning like 100%. i i was i, I was kind of thinking about that last night like getting ready for my show like there was this like weird feeling of loneliness because i was like in my room all day like making like final touches and like just like in a room by myself like packing up all my stuff and like pretty sure like uh like i went to the show by myself and like also like i think like most of my friends like couldn't make it they were either like working and like one yeah. of them was quarantining yeah yeah but yeah it's tough man definitely kind of a lonely path at times especially being um for me, at least being like a solo act or seen as that, you know, from afar and everything. Yeah, that, that's another big factor. Yeah. That's honestly why I, well, I love playing with the drummer in general. I play with um, my homie, Charlie. He drums for me over in L.A. I just met him through just like, wow, just friends of friends who I met through the internet and shit. It's crazy. Uh, but yeah, I really don't like playing just like just me. You know, it's feels weird. Now, it's not like the fact that I can't do it. It's just like. I like to have like that band energy still, even though it's like I'm seen as a rapper mm -hmm. and everything. It just feels weird to me to only just to be like the center of attention only. It's like I want multiple things going on, you know, yeah, that people can look sure. at and just enjoy the time being on stage and all that. Yeah. yeah. It's cool though.
I don't know if I asked this already, but uh, how'd you meet your like circle in LA? Yeah. So, oh man, my roommate uh, basically was really trying to session with a lot of people because he's a producer predominantly, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, yeah, through Tinder, literally. Like without Tinder, wow. without Tinder, we would not have like half the friends we have, which is really funny because he was he was going at it at first with like, I'm just trying to work and meet up with people. And obviously, like some people would like, you know, pro like it turned into some type of romantic development and others obviously just like platonic friend stuff or others just straight business, you know, and did that. He did that for like a month. And then I knew some people out there, but. Honestly, a lot of the people who I know out there now, I don't really see as often. I mainly hang out with the people who I've met through him, which is so funny to me. But because he had to do the Tinder path. And I was just mm-hmm. kind of like, wow, I can't believe half of the people we know is because of Tinder. So, wow. Yep. But shout out Tinder. Yeah, it was also quarantine and COVID and shit. So it was like, what else can you do? You know? Yeah, true. But now it's since everything's kind of open again. Um, yeah, just going out, playing shows and just meeting people and all that. It's pretty good. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and like out, out of curiosity, I know like a lot of your songs are now in like the tens of thousands of plays and you have like yep. 20,000 monthly listeners now. Yeah. Right? Just hit that the other day. Nice. I was Congratulations. super happy. Thank you. When did you like kind of see the plays start kind of like spiking and like, when did you kind of yeah. think like, oh my gosh, this is going somewhere. So I guess once I got my first song on Trash Gang, that was probably like, holy shit, maybe three, four months ago now. And now I, you know, Trash Gang, I don't know if you know, just for the sake of context, uh, is this big YouTube page. They have like 4 million subscribers. Uh, Ghost Main blew up because of Trash Gang because oh, wow. this video was hosted on there. And I think that's still their biggest video on there. Anyway, still a very prominent place for people to find like new underground kind of like dark trap, like mm-hmm. aggressive music. Um, they kind of kind of do a little bit of everything now, but definitely alt is their general shit. And I was trying to get on their page for years, and yeah, they got my first song accepted. And then I was like, okay, I kind of see the vibe that they're looking for. And yeah, that song hit a hundred k probably in like a month of being on there. And then I got which song was it? Over the limit. Okay, yeah. And yeah, it's probably sitting at like 120,000 something now. Then the next song after that was Sad Bitch. Uh, and that's that song is with me and Austin Orazio. That's what he goes by. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that was like right after. And that was probably two months ago. And yeah, that hit like 200,000 views on YouTube. And I think it's about to hit 100K probably in the next Hell week yeah. or so. And then Clown. Uh, I don't know if you've heard that song yet. I have. And (laughs) actually, maybe we can talk about this next one. One of the top things I wanted to ask was just like the inspiration behind that. Oh, my God. What about No Detection? Oh, yeah. No Detection hasn't been on Trash Gang, though. But uh, I thought there was a a fourth one from you. uh, Oh, shit. Over the Limit, Sad Bitch, Clown. Obsolete. Obsolete's the fourth one, bro. Yeah. Oh, I swear there was like like one other one, though. I wish. Not oh, yet. I guess I'm tripping. Yeah, I got one coming on there though. But um yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cloud. But yeah, um, so basically yeah, I had this consistent run, you know, with just having stuff uploaded on there. Mm-hmm. And I just saw like how how much it was helping with my related artists and just stream count every day and followers and just overall presence to be known. And I was like, okay, this is clearly the path for getting started and everything. Just because they have such a huge platform and everything. Yeah. And then I sent them Clown. 
And that song was okay. So remember how I was talking about how when I first got to LA, we were just getting drunk as shit and just were making like me- not, I don't want to say mediocre music because it's still good and we have a mm-hmm. lot of good shit that we haven't put out yet from it. But it's kind of like that bender period. We'll call it a bender period yeah. for sure. <laughs> um, we we got bored. And we were like, okay, we need to challenge ourselves because we're out here just making like four songs in two hours, you know, like beating all and like I'm writing shit. So we were like, okay, we need to construct a song based off of a theme. <laughs> and then uh, Austin's super, he's a very like whimsical, quirky guy, but also like loves music theory and everything. One of the most talented producers I've ever met, honestly. So we were like clown vibe and talking about, e- I want to talk about e-girls and <laughs> just like the woes of the internet, you know, <laughs> just yep. being in these times. <laughs> And, um, yeah, he, uh, he helped me write half of the lyrics and stuff with mainly the skits and everything. And I wrote the verses, he put the beat together. Um, and then, yeah, it was just kind of like this whole, it, it was literally like a piece of art. Like that's like the first time where me and him kind of came together and just like took all the other shit out of, I, I want to say like preconceived notions, you know, cause obviously like if you hear like Ken Osborne dark trap rapper you wouldn't expect to hear some woman's ass carnival yeah. beat you know what i'm saying <laughs> but um which is also dope too because i i think with clown clown's my number one song still too it's oh, like no way yeah that when i've been promoting the music video for it and oh, i'm going to talk about that experience in general because that was crazy for sure um there's like still no dislikes on it it's almost got like twenty thousand views still and that's just on youtube not even counting the trash gang video because i think that has like 150k still and all that but um it just it really opened my eyes of I don't need to just like pigeonhole myself really into only being like seen as dark trap for the sake of like I guess consumability at first and everything because I never used to even give a fuck about that shit it was only because I saw how consistent I was getting more um exposure because of the stuff I was like making at that time mm-hmm. um which I guess and I want to say I guess it's kind of dumb that I'm even saying that because they accepted clown it was I guess because it's super unique and everything or just yeah. had a strong vibe i don't know what they were thinking but i'm glad they accepted it because that shit went crazy yeah. yeah i mean it's 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 funny and like so, some of the stuff you hear like in the skits like talking <laughs> about simping and only fans yeah. it's like oh that, that's funny and like kind, kind of relatable <laughs> yeah yeah definitely just wanted to poke fun at the whole thing so many e-girls e-girls man yeah <laughs> they're out there same thing with the simps man tough times they're also out there you know and there's degrees to both, I feel like, you know. Everyone's simped in their day, some way, shape, or form, you know. Yep. <laughs> Can attest to that. <laughs> Same, bro. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, it, was all, it also was just kind of like a fuck it, like, this is why music is fun, you know. Um, But yeah, we made that in like an hour, funny enough. But I didn't drop it for another like three months. Oh, shit. Because we, um, we were trying to drop it in like the most... uh effective way mm-hmm. we're trying to get like pr and all that other shit but honestly that just overthinking it kind of like with i don't want to say withheld yeah yeah it's just slowed up the process of it coming out because we made that in like late 2020 and it didn't come out till holy shit march maybe april or something wow yeah and then the video took like another two months to make because we shot one scene at this place called circus liquor is this uh it's a liquor store in North Hollywood, and mm-hmm. there's like a huge light up clown, literally. Oh, and it's that's super perfect. Sick. Yeah, and uh, you can see it in some of the shots too. Uh, and we were like, okay, this video's done or whatever. But I wasn't super satisfied with just the one location, so 
I remember I was like, okay, we need to find a spot. And I was about to do it at the LA Circus, right? But they were going to charge me like fucking $2,000 for half a day. Oh and my goodness. That's not even including like camera and getting people involved and yeah. like permits and all that, you know? So we ended up, I think through a TikTok, either Austin sent it to me or I think it just came across my page, but the Clown Motel, I don't know if you ever heard of that before. I have not. It's a real ass place and it's a clown themed motel. Wait, and, okay, I, I think yeah. I have, but... In Tonopah, Nevada, it's in just random little minor town and this random motel that is there. And Damn, How far is that from LA? It's six hours. So, wow. So me, uh, the videographer, Johnny, and uh, our other friends who are going to be in the video... We like we booked two rooms for two nights, and I was like, "Fuck it, let's just go and shoot it here and have like a a horror movie vibe, a shitty horror movie vibe," and it worked out. You know, just it just ended up working out, and I'm glad we waited because I saved a shit ton of money, and we all got to get drunk in a minor town for a day. Oh, dude, the second so the same time we were there, this biker gang, um, I think it was the the Moguls or Moguls or whatever. Wow, I can't remember their name off bat. But they're like, apparently they're like more ruthless than, um, holy shit, what was the biker gang with uh, Woodstock and everything? Do you uh, remember? I could not tell you. Oh, fuck, dude. I should, oh my God. Anyway, their their reputation was more ruthless than theirs. Hell's Angels. That's what they are. Ah, yeah. there you go. And um, it was just really funny because it was my, my ass. I was wearing like these clown ass striped pants and like this fucking trip vest and all this shit. Mm -hmm. Looking outrageous as fuck. Um, Yaz and Holly were the killer clown e-girls. And they still had, like, their face makeup on and, like, some clown attire on. And we're just, like, walking through this town oh, with all these other bikers just around. And it was such a weird vibe. and But it was cool. They were pretty nice, which I was surprised. But I was, like, definitely not trying to trying to stay here for too long. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so it sounds like a town you pass through. Yeah, for sure. Especially at that time, for sure. But, um, yeah been cool la's been fun for sure um circling back to because we were talking about like writing a little bit what's the yeah. writing process like for you from like yeah. the the first move yeah i was definitely always developing because i'm a huge believer of if well just being stagnant and getting comfortable in what you're doing can be very detrimental just to like progress and all that so when i first got out to la i would just get in the studio hear the beat, just write, you know, two verses, lay them down. Like that was that nowadays I, um, I'll spend like probably like an hour or so listening to some Spotify playlist or album I really like. And then I'll have like song ideas and basically any like word I hear that I like a lot. I'll like write it down or like a little phrase from like probably like five or eight different songs and I'll do that till I have like 16 to 24 words. And then I'm like, okay, this is the first, whatever the fuck this is going to be. This is like the vibe it's going to be on. Then I go to the next like song idea two, do the same thing. Song idea three, four, five, six, da, 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 da. And I'll do that for like a day. And then either later that day or the next day, I'll listen to beats that uh, kids will send me or whoever will send me. And then I'll just start writing and I'll probably use some of those words. It's like jumping off points mm -hmm. and just tying them in as I write and uh, it's really helpful for not having writer's block at all. And you know, if you're just fun words to put, throw in there, you know, sets a vibe, you know? Uh, and outside of that, yeah, really, really nothing. It's been super fun. Cause I just started doing that probably like two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So 
That's it right now. I what I really need to get back on is playing instruments. I man, I was playing this uh this rush song that I used to know like <laughs> the back of my hand and I was I was fucking fumbling through it. Just like I, I finally got it after like five minutes, but I was like, man, I used to just be able to whip this out. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's kind of one of the one of the cons of being a vocalist mainly, but making up my own excuses for not practicing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's it's definitely good to like be be listening to other music. I I, oh, I, used, yeah. I used to sort of be hesitant about that because I was thinking like, oh, I don't want to like ultimately like sound like this person. But yeah. it's good for getting ideas, and especially from like 100%. a mixing perspective. Like if like if, if if like I'm going into a mixing session feeling good and not like scrambling to get stuff done, because you sometimes you can like kind of get in that mode and like mm-hmm. not be like super like put together i'll have like references and be like going back and forth and stuff. yeah you know it's super crazy uh, on the sake of that like i don't know why but when i was working at the studio uh apex i uh oh my goodness i would like be a recording engineer for people and you know it's good money like 25 an hour like i was i was definitely happy you know but at these sessions i just realized how much like I did not care like about the people I was recording because this was all like random people from the internet and some of them were super talented don't get me wrong but some of them I was just like you know it's like I, I there's a reason why I I wanted to be an artist and why I need to focus on that more and I guess creatively that would take me out of it like for a while because you know doing like an eight hour session and like all right sick and it's like okay now i need to do my own shit like i don't even want to do my own shit now because i just feel fucking literally just emotionally creatively drained and defeated because i was just someone's bitch boy for eight hours and it's like they don't give a fuck about you in Mm -hmm. that regard and at that moment that's kind of when i decided i was like i'd much rather work like instacart and do like a minimum wage thing until like i can fully fund my music career through you know my own music than just kind of fold and be an engineer and that's just my path obviously you know you gotta do what you gotta do yeah if anything that's like just turning down one opportunity for another Mm -hmm. if anything that's kind of how i rationalize it but yeah i i definitely feel the same like i uh i worked at uh you remember Boulevard Record Store? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I worked there like my junior year just uh like running sound for shows and I got I, I was I was really sick of it after like eight months or so because it was just so much like seeing other people on stage and like all I'm doing is just like making it sound good and like not nothing wrong with that, but like yeah, I yeah. just I've I just like felt like I was doing myself such an injustice and yeah. Yeah. Desensitized, you said? Desensitized. Yeah. Whenever I work at a music venue, it's always like, I hate music. Yeah, it's <laughs> fucked. It's fucked, man. It can take you out of it so easily. And especially because, so you know, like, do you want to be an artist, you know, also? Um, or do you just kind of like. That's that. That's one of the options for sure. I'd, I'd probably say, like, Holy Trinity is either being an artist, um, being a lighting designer, I, I really like lighting because that's awesome. In, in a way, you kind of you're kind of like part of the show, and like yeah. people are seeing the like the the sequences or programmings or whatever that like you create. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I I think that like that's just like a little bit more special to me than like 
just making it sound good. And yeah. lighting has come a little bit more natural to me. And then uh, I'd probably say like the the third thing in that holy trinity is like video game sound design. Yeah, really interested in that. But uh, super cool. Kind kind of starting from scratch there because there was this there was this video game sound design class at Belmont that I was going to take my final semester, but it got canceled for some reason. Oh, man. That sounds yeah. like a good class to take. Sounds interesting. Yeah, it was exciting. Yeah. But yeah, with uh, with your lighting thing, you know, if, at least for like career, mixing career and with, you know, passion, I def- I think that's just the most important thing because, you know, it's like, yeah, knowing how to mix is important, but it's like, I clearly wasn't passionate about it. Knowing how to record people is important, but I clearly wasn't passionate about it, you know. But with you and lights, you know, if you fucking love... I don't even know fucking faders and hitting buttons and shit and triggering shit at moments and everything like create like because you're interacting. You're yeah, part of the show. Like, you're half pro- the show too, honestly. Program it all down to yeah. a T. Yeah, yeah. You know, but yeah, I guess with anything, not even just a bash, I'm just engineers in general because I guess it's kind of what it came off as when I was talking about it. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I just I mean, wasn't passionate about what I was doing at the time, and I just had to. I woke up and realized that, and I was like, well, fuck it. <laughs> you know, let me just do what I want. Yeah, I mean, some some I mean, it's it's different for each person and like obviously yeah. like some some people might enjoy, you know, helping other people's dream. They, they might be good at it and it pro- probably pays better money, but yeah. on on the topic of money, um one, one of the things that I feel like has definitely like helped me progress in every field is um I've sort of stopped working with like the thought of making a lot of money in mind. Like I, I feel like I feel like the people who are doing what they love and are there because like they really enjoy it. Like you want to be there and you're good at it. And like while like the early days might be a little bit rough, like yeah. eventually like the money follows. And uh I I work over at Ascend Amphitheater. Oh you I'm nice. a guest services supervisor and like a, a lot of the people there, like the other like guest services people and some of the other like production management people, like all of them are like all of us are there because we we share a love of live music and yeah. and obviously like giving that experience to uh people who come to Ascend. But yeah. I, I think like there there's definitely a correlation between like I feel some of the people who, you know, have like moved their way up and like, you know, their their love for what they do. Yeah, yeah. Well, because your your basis, like your yeah, your base point is I'm doing this because I love it, and if it gets bigger, that's dope. If not, whatever. I'm happy doing this regardless, you know. And I think if you come at it at first with the with monetizing it just like off bat and like not even having the passion for it for real for real but you know it's like this is gonna make you a lot of money it could probably probably not lead to happiness you know yeah i think one of my lyrics and obsolete i think what the fuck i say uh yeah literally see you do it for the money that's why you ain't genuine i don't even i just really resonate with that because you know you see so many people it's just in rap in particular just try to fake it till they make it and everything with just yeah. like having like I got all this money and I'm I'm this hard and I do all this shit and then it's just all the show and everything and it's like you know it's not just being yourself is I don't know why being yourself is so like not uh natural for a lot of people. Yeah, I it's guess so it's so easy yet it's so hard. Yeah, yeah, easier said than done for sure. Definitely. I think it's like a um I want to say fear of standing out maybe in a way because it definitely takes a lot 
to get comfortable in your own skin and like love like really love what you love and like unabashedly and not give a fuck yeah if someone doesn't you know the the, the not giving a fuck if someone doesn't i think is like the biggest thing for it because that'll just transcend through like your music taste like who you hang out with what you like you know yeah definitely like the people the people at the top and the people who are like making waves and changing the game they aren't looking to their left and their right yeah yeah they're looking forward family ties have you heard that song with kendrick and baby keem uh was it was it the new one that they yeah 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 Uh, i've i've heard like a couple clips like scrolling through instagram but i still gotta hear it yeah that that song is so good for for that topic just being at the top and unabashedly like doing what the fuck you want and because and like not giving a fuck about anything else going on granted like Kendrick's the best best rapper like alive I think in my opinion mm-hmm. um and Baby Kim's really fucking good too and it's just like they're just talking their shit you know it's like not giving a fuck about what's going on in the mainstream or anything which is so funny because I'm sure like Family Ties is probably like up there in the billboard charts probably like easily top 100 just because it's them two together uh-huh. too but um yeah it's just really nice hearing someone else has that mentality who is like on that level and it's like you can just tell like they're genuine and they mean it and everything you know but so weird also also it's like i don't know anybody at that level personally at least in like pop pop world and all that stuff Mm -hmm. but yeah it's crazy yeah um because we're coming up here on about an hour um that was fast yeah I, i know flew by um i guess I guess I can hit you with like a few more rapid fire questions. Um, we we were just talking about Kendrick. Um, I, 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 I guess like I have like a couple of favorite artists related questions. So the first cool. one is um, top five rappers. <laughs> oh shit. Uh, I'm not even gonna think Denzel Curry, JPEG mafia, uh, Kendrick. Uh, uh, was that three? That yeah. Four? Fuck. Uh, shit holy hell gotta think of two more i don't even know nah uh schoolboy q just because he influenced me a lot when i was younger uh danny brown yeah Yeah. there you go love danny (laughs) yeah miss that man he's i want him to drop soon yeah all all of those people really just like kind of shaped me into being comfortable with being myself in, a, in an odd way, I just resonate with them a lot too, just because they're on the alt side of rap. I guess that's probably why. Yeah, I definitely see a yeah. resemblance Hell in all yeah. of them. Hell yeah! Um, what's your favorite uh, Danny Brown album? Oh man! Oh my god! Triple X was really good. I think. Um, nah, attrition. Uh, Jesus Christ! Atrocious. Atrocity ex- exhibition. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Atrocity exhibition. <laughs> <laughs> fucking dyslexic ass <laughs> atricious atrocity <laughs> yeah that was atrocious me trying to say atrocity it was an atrocity <laughs> yeah that album is fucking dope and then um ah shit i can't remember this his last one he dropped with the with the vhs cover on no it. know what i'm saying yes yes that's really good too i just love his vibe on that throughout yeah he's like 40 now i know oh something you know, the first time I saw him was when I saw Childish Gambino in Atlanta for his camp tour, and oh Danny Brown gosh. opened up for him, and I was like, who is this motherfucker? And I was like, this guy is dope. <laughs> he was fucking out there. Yeah. That was when I was like 12, bro. I was I remember I was geeking because it was like, 
orchestra, I think, was my last class of the day. And I was just like talking with my homie Nolan because I used to play mm-hmm. stand up bass. Oh, nice. In orchestra. Uh, and yeah, we were just geeking about Childish Gambino playing tonight and all that. It was fun. It was a good time. Oh yeah. Do you yeah. still play upright bass? I if I had one, yeah. I uh I think cello is probably when I'm about to start playing more. Um Austin's about he just bought one and he's like, I literally got this so you could fuck around on it because I want you to play on tracks for it. And I'm like, Hell yeah. It's been a minute, but it's still all in there, you know. Yeah, it just yeah. takes some like brushing off the cobwebs and like yeah. sitting down and practicing. Yeah. I like playing anything for eight years, it's kinda I feel like you're always gonna have that you know knowledge of it in there as long as you play it at least like once every like five years or so like minimum though i think after seven years you'll start to just all of it can fade away easily Mm -hmm. if you don't even like pick it up or look into it or study anything yeah i played piano growing up and i haven't had like i went once i left home i didn't really have access to a piano because uh the the practice rooms at belmont you kind of had to like since since I wasn't like in the school of music, you had to like sneak in there and hope yeah. that one of the doors was open. Yeah. But I recently got a keyboard and it's been nice to like play again. But a lot of like the songs I played growing up and the stuff that I played at my piano recitals, it's still there. Hell yeah. That's important. Yeah. Um All right. So I I guess uh the the next one I was gonna ask was like the top artists that made you who you are today yeah, but I, I guess like you kind of answered that 100 percent. yeah honestly can i wouldn't and childish gambino too for sure like uh definitely wouldn't be comfortable just being like a suburban black kid you know what i'm saying with just like privilege and all that shit mm-hmm. i don't know he just get he the energy he gives off uh for most of his stuff just kind of gives me that vibe and everything i'm pretty sure he that's not how he came up for real for real but either way it's, i felt felt a lot of resonance with that and everything um yeah. But yeah, who else really? Obviously, Rage Against the Machine. Um, I'm trying to think. Rock wise, that's a whole other category too. Mm-hmm. Oh shit! I want to say, damn, King Gizzard was my favorite band for a Hell long time. Hell yeah, I fucking love King Gizzard. Yeah, yeah. Uh wow. I know one of these punk bands probably. Fugazi was up there, and. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I can think of off top. Fucking blanking so hard. Too much music has been through my head. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a hard one for sure. Yeah. Um favorite album. Oh man. Ever. Or like oh. a, a few that come to your mind. Oh boy. Let's see. Now nah, that's a God I want to sit down and smoke a blunt on that one. That's fucking crazy. I have a top 100 list. I could go all day. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, yeah, you thought about this. Damn. I'm really trying to think because, like, front to back, no skips for my own personal preference. I guess I should be able to say one, dude. I had so much pressure on this one thing. This is crazy. <laughs> um, I guess I'll give you one of my top five to, like, kind of get, yeah. get the gears turning. But yeah. the Rage Against the Machine self-title. Yeah. Oh, man. That one's up there for me. There's not a bad Fucking song. A classic, bro. It's classic. Oh, my God. Because, see, I'm I'm getting bogged down with this, like, I'm thinking of, like, fucking Corn, and I'm thinking of Deftones, and then I'm thinking of Outkast and Kendrick, and, oh, okay, To Pimp a Butterfly. To Pimp a Butterfly, 100%. I think that album is a piece of fucking art that will stand time for way, oh, way yeah. after we're gone. Just the impact on it at the time and how well it was put together. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of what else, too. Oh, 
was such a huge Kendrick stand for so long. I still am. Um, I think. Fuck, man. I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm gonna leave it at to pimp a butterfly. All right. Before um, before I I disown my own self. Yeah. <laughs> Real quick, speaking of Kendrick, do you think he'll ever drop another album? Yeah, I think. Oh, wait, he he has one on the way. That's right. Yeah, he's, he definitely. There was some huge hint about it. He's left. He's leaving TDE too, which is kind of sad. Yeah. But I mean, I kind I get it. At the same time, you know, he could probably be self sufficient with his own shit going on at this point. But um, yeah, I can't wait. I have no idea what the fuck he's been on because it's been about like two, three years since he's dropped uh-huh. and everything. And you know, the song "Baby Keem" and everything is probably like like I'm definitely stoked that he's like back in in the spotlight again. You know, yeah, been chilling. Yeah. yeah. Um. Ooh. Okay. This one comes naturally. Favorite Naruto fight? Yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> Pain, no doubt, no question. That that, that one's my and Naruto. favorite. And then probably second to that is is uh, Jiraiya in pain, just because of the fucking as a so preface much anxiety. to it. Yeah. Oh my god, dude. Have you seen Boruto? I have. I've I've been watching Boruto, yeah. and actually, I like it a lot. Yeah, I'm caught up. It's like there's there's some trudging. I guess trudging you got to go through at times. You know, yeah. some of the arcs are kind of meaningless at times, but yeah. It's really and good. like it, it. It took the show like a few, or it, it took it like thirty or so episodes to pick up. Yeah, seriously. But it's 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 kind of funny. Like uh, Boruto's whole goal is like not riding on the Hokage's curtails. Yeah, but, like that, that's also what the show is trying to do. Like not ride on yeah. the curtails of Naruto. Literally, literally. I don't. I feel. I have no idea because I haven't read the manga or anything. But I feel like they're gonna do some just dark shit at some point. Cause yeah, it really it's. it's I don't know. How, do you know what episode you're on, roughly? Um, I'm I'm like a few behind whatever the current one is. I think like Boruto, Sarada, Mitsuki, and Kawaki like just like went through the portal to like yeah. go and oh, save Naruto. Okay. He you're, just got like locked yeah. up. Yeah, no, yeah, you're you're basically caught up. But also, sorry yeah. if anyone is listening <laughs> yeah. and not there yet. <laughs> yeah. I, I I I probably got to put in like a little Spoiler. audio bit saying spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert coming up right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's when it it's it's fucking crazy. I'm just really glad that um it's its own thing. You know, they they really added a lot to it mm-hmm. and they're just diversifying from it. Really hard to not ride on the coattails of Naruto though cuz like he's fucking it's Naruto motherfucking Nine Tails power blessed by the the fucking gods of mm-hmm. aliens and shit, you know. Oh, what I was gonna say, we have Baruto and his fucking dad. The goddamn relationship. All the relationships are not what you would expect. Yeah, basically, no. if you would give, you know. And I think a lot of people kind of just like brush off Baruto as an anime or like getting into it mm-hmm. because they just want to see Naruto go ape shit and all that. And it's like yeah. you can see that for sure. You will. Yeah. But you know, these are new people, new characters. Got to build some yeah. new ties. Takes time. You remember the first Naruto's fucking seasons of shit? Like, sure, that like, shit got popping off way earlier because it's like they had to draw you in with something. But mm-hmm. you still gave a fuck about all like Eno and fucking Choji yeah. and shit. You know, it's like Shikamaru and all that. You know, Ooh, Shikamaru is like one of my favorite characters. Yeah, yeah, good character. Crazy. His son's badass too. Shikadai. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good energy. Yeah. Um. Mm, trying to think what else uh all right circling back to music um <laughs> yeah I, I was actually gonna say at the beginning of this episode yeah. like if we're, if we're trying to talk about naruto for an hour i'm <laughs> full speed ahead easily, but, um, easily talk about anime for an hour <laughs> anyways um 
number one piece of advice or guidance or like thing that you've learned in your journey for like the next generation? Yeah. Uh, for artists, well, really, I guess for anything, whatever you really want to do and you put in the time and efforts to doing the best you can, shit is not a race. It is a marathon. Just stay consistent. Don't get overwhelmed. Don't compare yourself to someone else's success because that shit will tear you down and fucking destroy you like through and through. Fucking living example right here. <laughs> but um, stay grounded. Uh, be self-aware of yourself. And you got to have some mental toughness in this, but you'll be okay. You know, life, life, is, life is not as bad as you would think it is yeah. in, in, the, in the moment, I guess, too. For sure. Yeah. And then, uh, I guess, like, what do you want to be remembered for? Or, like, what's, like, um, end goal, maybe? Yeah. Uh, I definitely just want my music and art in general, anything I'm involved with creatively to, like, yeah, literally just withstand time. You know, like, I want Clown to fucking be heard, like, a hundred years later from now and be like, <laughs> oh, so this this is what the energy was like in that time or whatever. It's like, oh, this, like, on the, being on the forefront of something and then seeing it develop, like, ten years later even would be super cool. But, yeah, just mainly being remembered for my art because, like, life is only fucking, like, at max, like, 70, 80 years. You know, I'm probably going to go croak when I'm, like, 60 or 70 maybe. Depends on how I go, you know. But, yeah, yeah I definitely, yeah, art art is what it's all about you know i'm just a vessel in this motherfucker yeah same. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's 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 bigger than all of us seriously you know but yeah, yeah. well yeah. uh damn thank you so much for sitting down with me and chatting yeah. like i know you're probably like super busy but it, yeah. it means a lot for you to come in today yeah it was nice it was super fun super fun yeah it's fun chatting with you good to catch up and i'm looking forward to the show tonight hell yeah me too oh my god it's gonna be dope it's gonna be yeah. sick <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. Oh shit, signing off to whatever the fuck this podcast is called. Peace. <laughs> it's me again in the present day. Uh, just making a couple more announcements. Uh, for starters, thank you again for listening. Hope you had as much fun hearing this conversation as I did getting to sit down and talk with Kent and get to know him more. But the announcements are um, I put Yovazal's pages as well as Ken's pages in the description for this episode and uh, the other announcement if you haven't heard it already go check out the pilot episode for this podcast it's just me in my own solitude and the mic talking for a very long time just giving my life story sort of interviewing myself you could say as well as talking about the reasoning the motives behind this podcast so definitely check that out and um as far as future plans um gonna try and get one more episode up before the end of the year so uh stay tuned for that stay safe stay well stay you and i'll see you then peace